Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back. And I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. And we're live! Welcome out to Champions YouTube friends, dropping the comments and questions in the chat. And make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we talk with the main man himself. Yes, that's right, Fabrizio Romano. Here we go. I mean, enjoy, and I'm joined by the House of Champions. Well, I was going to say boys because Jonathan Johnson was supposed to be joining us, but he's a little bit late, the tardiness, you know what I mean? Michael Hood is in the house, and guess what? We have the hardest working and most connected man on the internet. Yes, Fabrizio Romano with us today. Fab, how you doing, bud? Ciao, guys. All great, all great. Thank you. Uh, really happy to be here. We have international break, but this is when things happen, usually in the transfer market. So the first contact mm. start, and so I'm sure we are going to prepare the summer transfer window now. Hey, before we get into the transfer window, the action in Serie A yesterday, Fabrizio, was Oof. excellent. I mean, you had the Rome derby. was a good game to watch, a bit controversial. Then you have, obviously, Juve and Inter going at it, which was a surprising result to me. Overall, your thoughts on the action in Serie A starting to really heat up now. Napoli, once again, doing the business. Yes, disappointing for, for Inter and Milan. Uh, honestly, I think they were really tired after all the games. Also in the Champions League, probably they don't have the squad to be competitive on both sides. And this is why I think they are struggling. Very good for Juventus. The young players are very good, especially Fagioli. I think he's going to be the future of Italian football. Great game at San Siro. And as you mentioned, uh, we have Napoli basically training. They play 30 minutes and then they train. On the pitch. <laughs> this is what's going on in Serie A this season. It's impressive, honestly, because we never saw something like that. Eh? Only sometimes with Juventus few years ago. But at this level, this quality, this energy is unbelievable. Second half was a training with open doors. So congrats <laughs> to Napoli. But Paraschkelia and those men are from another plan. Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm a wagering man. I like to put a bet on a game. And now it's basically easy money when you put Osman in there to score yes. a goal. Uh, we can't wait to get into discussion about what's happening around the footballing world. But before we do, golf clap for Jonathan Johnson, who's just arrived here. Yes. He's on French time. He's on French time. There he is. Parisian there he is. time, JJ. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Great to have you with us, uh, JJ. Let's get into it. Antonio Conte, let's discuss it for Brizio. I mean, that press conference was something completely different, right? I mean, the comments that he had in his press conference post-game was something unique and special. I'm going to say a few of them for you here. He quoted here saying, they're used to it here. Don't play for something important. They don't want to play under pressure. They don't want to play under stress. Tottenham's story is this. 20 years there is this owner, and they've never won something. Why? They keep on going on and on and on. But Fabrizio, 
This was a unique reaction from Antonio Conte. What's the reaction been from the media world? What's the reaction been from Spurs? Yes, this is a very strong press conference. Um, honestly, I was expecting something like that. Maybe not in that terms, but I was expecting something like that from Antonio because he was really disappointed with the squad. And it's long time also before the World Cup, after the World Cup. So he had this kind of feeling that mm, with these players, he was not going to win anything. And this is going to be probably the first time in his career because he won everywhere, as he mentioned in the press conference. Uh, so he won with Chelsea, Inter, Juventus... Uh, everywhere he did an excellent job with the Italian national team too and then arriving to Tottenham the situation was very difficult with the players so first point to clarify is that Antonio was going against the players not against Daniel Levy or Fabio Paratici or the board he has a good relationship with the club with the board with the owner but the point is the players he's really disappointed with the attitude the approach of the players and this is why Antonio was furious what I can say is that from what I understand also some of the players agree with Antonio. So also internally, some players feel that there are some players not that, uh, I could say, hungry for more. They don't feel this kind of desire, as Antonio mentioned in the press conference. And so this is why it's not an easy situation in the dressing room. We have to see now what happens, because I see many questions, obviously, on the future of Antonio Conte. And what we can mention is that no decision has been made yet. Daniel Levy is on it. He has to decide, because people into the board are still protecting Antonio Conte. They feel he's mm. probably right in some of his points. But at the same point, we have to mention that we know and we already said that Antonio Conte will leave Tottenham at the end of the season. So the idea is very clear. They will part ways. The contract is uh, going to be over at the end of the season. So they have to decide. He has to decide. Daniel Levy, if he wants to part ways with Antonio Conte, now and so to try mm. to restart the project immediately or to wait until the end of the season and then uh, restart the Tottenham project with a different coach so now it's on the owner it's on, it's on Daniel Levy but for sure the situation is really complicated into the dressing room because Antonio Conte idea of football is always based on the desire on fire and he doesn't see that in the Tottenham players yeah. With tensions mounting at Tottenham Hotspur's football club should Daniel Levy pull the trigger who are some possible replacements for Conte? Yes, we had many names. Of course, one of the big names on the, on the manager's market now is Luis Enrique, uh, because Luis Enrique mm -hmm. wants to be back as soon as possible. Uh, not just for Tottenham, but in general, he would love to be back as soon as possible. He doesn't want to have a long break after the World Cup. Mauricio Pochettino is another name for sure. We know the feeling between Pochettino and Tottenham fans has always been fantastic. They love him. They want him back. They uh, are always uh, chanting his name at the stadium, and so uh, it's normal that they want to see Pochettino back. But at the moment, from what I understand, there is still no direct contact uh, from Tottenham to call Pochettino so we have to see how they want to, to proceed and then we have to see what happens at the end of the season because if Conte will stay and the change will be at the end of the season we have to see if they will go for some different candidate for example we have rumors of Marco Silva who's doing an excellent job at Fulham he's really appreciated by many clubs but as of now Daniel Levy has not called any other coach I would keep an eye also on the final name and it's Thomas Tuchel because Tuchel wants to return too. Tuchel can't wait to be back as soon as possible in football. And so at the moment there are no contacts, but the um, relationship between his agent uh, and Tottenham is excellent. And so we have to see. I think these are the names, but it's on Daniel Levy now. Fab, if um, I take you back to sort of when Tottenham were first looking, uh, you know, for a new manager and a new direction, they were very, very close to signing Paolo Fonseca before that deal yeah. fell through. Now, Fonseca is at Lille doing a, a very decent job, I might add, with quite limited uh, sort of finances and resources. Is there a possibility, do you think, that Spurs maybe revisit that interest as well? Because, you know, he is somebody who they were very convinced about before changing their minds at the last minute. Uh, do you think that this is perhaps something that could be, uh, you know, revisited as well? 
I think this is one to watch at the end of the season, not now, in case Tottenham will decide to change at the end of the season. Uh, it's true what you said, he was really more than close. Uh, he was already one step away from signing the contract as new Tottenham uh, manager, then the deal collapsed. He's really appreciated by Fabio Paratici, so uh, he always had this kind of a good feeling with the, with the Italian director. We have to see if Paratici will be there at the end of the season too. So this is why at the end it's going to be a domino at Tottenham. But at the moment, uh, what I can say is that he's not a name for now, but could be one of the options for the end of the season. Uh, as always, uh, it's Daniel Levy who has to decide if he wants to change everything now or maybe go for a different solution now and then at the end of the season go for a permanent coach for the future. Uh, I seem to remember Italian coaches uh, going a little crazy in press conference. Fabrizio, I don't know if you remember this. JJ, you'll definitely remember this one. Trapattoni did it at Bayern yeah. Munich. Do you remember oh. that one? The most famous one. <laughs> Speaking in German, Italian, English. He was going absolutely nuts. It was one of the most iconic press conferences I ever saw. And I was actually pretty impressed with what Conte said at the weekend. That's just me. Not everybody agrees with me. I was impressed with what he said. Great question coming in the comments right now from Steve Biambi. He's asking, any chance of Harry Kane leaving? If so, where do you think he'll go? I mean, this is an interesting situation for Harry Kane right now because obviously Tottenham would love to keep him. And I imagine he'd probably want to stay now, Fabrizio. But is there any option there for Harry Kane? And potentially, could you see him leaving? Harry Kane always wanted to stay, but he wants to win. And so now for Harry Kane, we can speak about contra talks because it's the reality. Tottenham will offer him a new deal. Tottenham will try to keep the player. Daniel Levy has always been fighting to keep Daniel uh, to keep uh, Harry Kane at the club. So this has always been the point, and this is still the point. Tottenham will fight to keep the player, but there is one crucial point. Harry Kane wants to understand about Tottenham project now again because the project was with Antonio Conte. Now we know that next season is going to be different. So to convince Harry Kane, you need to show him the project, who is going to be the coach, what is the idea for the next season, how long it takes to win a trophy. So all these points are crucial to Harry Kane to decide on his future and on new contract with Tottenham. What we can mention is that there is always a lot of interest because it's true that Manchester United appreciate the player, but at the moment they don't know uh, what will be the decision on player side, on Tottenham side. So it will take time. It's not something for March or April, but for sure, May United interest is there. Bayern interest, they appreciate the player, but I don't see them spending 120 or 130 million euros on one single no player. Chance. We know how they work on the market. And so there are many points to consider, but at the moment for Tottenham, the priority is to keep the player, but for Eric Kane, the priority is to understand what's next, who's going to be the coach, what we're going to do in the next years. So this is really crucial for, uh, for Eric Kane's situation. Mm. Yeah, Fab, after Antonio's rant went viral, the next biggest thing at the weekend was El Clasico, at least for me. Going into that match and sticking with the result and sticking with Real Madrid, can you tell us what does the future now hold for Carlo Ancelotti? Because that was a disappointing result for Real Madrid, no? Disappointing? Yes, I agree. I think La Liga is almost over now. Uh, so we know that at Real Madrid, there is always uh, kind of rule. You have to win something. Otherwise, the manager is going to be in trouble at the end of the season. Ancelotti is a legend of the club, of course. No one is going to change his reputation. He made the history of Real Madrid, Chelsea, Milan, and many other clubs around the world. But at the same time, he knows that at the end of the season... He needs to win something. Uh, yesterday, he mentioned after the game, I feel we're going to win a trophy. Let's see if it's going to be Champions League, Copa del Rey, but for sure for Real Madrid, it's crucial to win something. So at the moment, they still consider Carlo Ancelotti the coach. They want him to feel comfortable also because in the Champions League, they still feel they have a chance. They maybe uh, can do it again. And so this is why at Real Madrid, they're still back in Carlo Ancelotti. But I think at the end of the season, it's crucial to have a trophy in their hands. Otherwise, the situation could change. 
Fab, what are your what are your spidey senses telling you regarding potentially a, a managerial change at Real? Because we've seen them go back to to former uh, managers who have done well in the past. We know that Zinedine Zidane is on the market now that the French job is uh, is not available. Do you think that there's a possibility that Zidane goes back for a third spell at Santiago Bernabeu? Hmm. I think it's not going to be easy, honestly. Uh, I like the idea because it would be incredible to see Zidane there for the third time, fourth time, including his time as a player. So it would be crazy but at the same time I'm not aware of any contact at this stage between Zinedine Zidane and Real Madrid I think we can mention some of the names could be one is Mauricio Pochettino let's see what happens with Tottenham but Pochettino could be one of the names Raul who is doing an excellent job with the Castilla team the second team of Real Madrid and is really appreciated internally so this is a name for sure and then I think we have always to consider the situation of, um, of Thomas Tuchel because I mentioned him for Tottenham but he's a big name available on the market a coach appreciated by many clubs and so his name will be around this summer I'm sure all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we discuss, um, when we come back, we'll discuss a little bit of Barcelona and Lionel Messi. I see a lot of comments in the questions right there. Stick around. Welcome back. You're watching House of Champions. You enjoy Michael Hood, Jonathan Johnson, and of course, Fabrizio Romano. Fab, let's get into it. A lot of questions about Lionel Messi and his future, but real quickly, just touch upon Barcelona after that El Clasico game there. Obviously, having some issues with Javi, um, the registration. I mean, the issues keep on mounting for Barcelona right now. So before we get into Messi's future, and there are some questions out there about Messi going back to Barcelona, what about Barcelona's situation with Javi? That's really interesting to me. I think this is always the same point for Messi, for Gavi and for many other players. Financial fair play. This is it. So we know that La Liga uh, are making things difficult for Barcelona because of the financial situation. So this is why for Barca it's not always easy to, to approve transfers. For example, to give you some, some things up behind the scenes, one of the names they had in January was Joao Cancelo, was a possibility, but they were not allowed to proceed with any signing in January. And this is why the Joao Cancelo loan deal was not possible for Barcelona and Bayern were super fast and it was perfect for them. So it shows why, why for, for Barcelona it's not always easy to proceed with all the uh, fair play, financial fair play topics. This is why for them it's really complicated. For Gavi, they're really relaxed. They're convinced that there will be no issue at the end. The contract will be registered. The player has already agreed, already signed the new deal. So it's just about registering the contract. But of course, for all the other topics, it's crucial for Barcelona to understand how much they can spend in the summer. Because yeah. as always, they are tracking free agent players, Inigo Martinez, Gundogan, two of the big names they are considering internally, but they still don't know how much they're allowed to spend in the summer. Yeah. Tons and tons of questions coming in there, Michael. Jump ahead right yeah. now because Leo is adamant to get Lionel Messi back to Barcelona <laughs> in the comments right there. Five comments coming in from Leo asking about Messi going back to Barcelona. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, well, if Lionel Messi is going to come in or Gundogan or any of these players, players have to go out. Could we see any truth to the rumors of Frankie de Jong or Ansu Fati leaving the Camp Nou? So for Frankie de Jong, I think uh, in this moment, mm, this is not a possibility, a concrete possibility, because Frankie de Jong mentioned many times that he wants to stay, but he's really happy at Barcelona. Last summer, we spent the whole summer with Manchester United stories, because it's the reality that United wanted Frankie de Jong, but Frankie was not considering a move out of Barca. He wants to stay there. So at the moment, it's the same, also mentioned by the player yesterday and many, many times, he wants to stay at Barcelona. For Ansu Fati, it's different. I think Ansu Fati could be on the move in the summer. They are going to explore options in England. Uh, from Bayern, we had some rumors, but at the moment, I'm told this is not something concrete. But from Premier League, his agent, Jorge Mendes, is considering some possibilities, some options. At the moment, it's still early, of course, but there could be some chance for uh, Ansu Fati to leave Barcelona in case they will receive an important proposal. So I will keep an eye on Ansu Fati more than, more than Frankie de Jong. 
But we know that financial fair play, you never know. You can always have surprises. And so let's keep the situation open, but more unsufati than Frankie the Young at this stage. Fab, it's time to give the people what they want. We need to talk about the Lionel Messi situation. Now, what I will add uh, sort of from a personal point of view is obviously we know when PSG go out to the Champions League, things in and around the club always change. Uh, you know, the atmosphere, you can never really call it positive uh, after, you know, one of those premature exits. We've seen it many times before. And it certainly sounds like the echoes coming out of Parc des Princes right now are not necessarily as positive as they were a few months ago regarding Lionel Messi's future beyond this summer when his contract expires. Have you got any potential news to share with us on his future? Because it seems to me where I am right now that there's a couple of options potentially open for Messi. That Barcelona option, which people at the club, regardless of the financial possibilities of a move, will always try and keep open because of the legend that Messi is with Barca. Uh, You know, the fact that, you know, PSG is generally considered to be one of his final options to stay in Europe, along with that potential return to Barca. Then you've got the Inter-Miami option and then potentially a move similar to Cristiano Ronaldo, which, you know, could be to a Saudi Arabia or a similar league, uh, you know, to that. Uh, you know, would you say that that's an accurate reflection of the the situation around Messi at this time? I would say yes. Uh, I would also add the point that from what I understand, Leo Messi wants to continue in Europe at the moment. So his priority will be to stay in Europe at least for one more season. So for sure, all the options you mentioned are are correct. The Barcelona dream is there. It's very clear. All the players are mentioning that, but also internally in Barcelona, they dream with Leo Messi's return. This is very normal. Also because he's still not signing that new deal with Paris Saint-Germain. What happened is that at the end of the World Cup, there was a verbal pact between Leo Messi and Paris Saint-Germain. So it was like, okay, let's continue together. We will meet in January, in February, and we will discuss the contract, the details, length of the contract, salary, and then we will enter into the final details but let's continue together then what happened is that as you mentioned when you go out of the Champions League especially round of 16 so it's a really disappointing season for Paris Saint-Germain same in the domestic cup so this is something that is not at PSG level the whole project is changing because we are not sure at all that Christophe Galtier is going to be the coach next season at PSG what happens with the players I think in the summer many players could leave PSG so there will be a big refresh of the squad again and again and so what happens is that at the moment from what I understand Leo Messi already has a proposal into his hands from Paris Saint-Germain and at the moment is the only official bid. At the moment, Barcelona have not sent any bid, but of course, you have a lot of time, it's still March. So Barcelona are dreaming of Leo Messi, they are sending some messages, but at the same time, the only bid in the hands of Leo Messi right now is from PSG, why Leo is not accepting. From what I understand, he wants to understand more on the project who's going to be the coach, what they're going to do with many of the players, what kind of team they will be next season. So what Paris Saint-Germain are going to do in season 23-24 to keep Leo Messi? This is the point. Of course, it's also about the money, the salary length of the contract, but it's not that Messi wants the same salary as Bappé. It's Messi wants to understand about PSG project. This is why the situation is now open. We have to wait and see what Leo will decide, but the coach situation, I think, is going to be crucial. One club who is dreaming of Lionel Messi MLS's own Inter Miami Fab. MLS fans, Americans, whether you love it, hate it, can't stand it, Leo Messi and that relationship is something that's become a talking point since the World Cup. Where do things stand between Messi and Inter Miami? And when might we see Lionel Messi possibly venture to the United States? I think it could take a bit more time, no? Maybe it could take one year, two years. Uh, it always depends on, on Messi, how he will perform, how he will feel. For sure, uh, Inter-Miami interest is there. They want Leo Messi. They feel that one day they will really have this chance to have Leo Messi in MLS, in Miami. But 
at the moment, from what I understand, the priority for the player is to continue in Europe. So let's see how the conversation with PSG will go. Let's see how Barca will move in the next months uh, also. Financial for play, as we mentioned, but how they can do it if they will try really to make a proposal for Leo Messi. And then this is why I think for Inter Miami, this is the biggest dream, but it's something that is complicated now. It's something that could happen in the future. They feel that, they know that, they will be there. They want Messi. Messi is 100% aware of the situation, but it could take time. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see that situation play out. Let's get to some of the questions before we let you go, Fabrizio. We're about 60 seconds left. Uh, Kishwan jumping in and saying, Fabrizio, do you believe that Mason Mount deserves a big contract? Great question right there. A lot of stories about Mason Mount. What's the latest? I, I'm not sure about big contract salary in this kind of stuff because always it's, it's up to the player, it's up to the club about the salary. But I really hope they will find a solution because I think Mason Mount is a Chelsea player, is a Chelsea face coming from the academy and they need this kind of players to build a top project as they are doing. So I really hope they will find a way to keep Mason Mount because he's a fantastic player. I really like him. And I think they need this kind of players coming from the academy, showing people what is the Chelsea feeling also into the dressing room. At the same time, the reality is different now. There is no agreement, big gap, new agent helping the dad of Mason Mount, Tony Mount, to take care of the negotiations. And there is a feeling that if solution will not be found before the summer, Mason Mount will be on the market and Liverpool want him. Liverpool are Ooh. really interested in signing Mason Mount. And so let's see what happens, but Chelsea have to be fast if they want to keep Mason Mount. Fab, a lot of what you're saying about Chelsea and Mason Mount reminds me a lot of the early days of QSI with PSG. Do you think there's a possibility that something similar to what happened with PSG's academy, where so many of these great young talents go to other clubs and explode, do you think that could potentially happen to some of Chelsea's best young players? I mean, you look at someone like Colwell, for example, doing really well with Brighton. Obviously, Chelsea want to keep him. Yet when you look at the, the talent in the squad, there's no obvious place for him in that starting eleven. maybe not even on the bench. Yes, I think this is this is a risk. You no, know, when you invest a lot of money and you try to refresh and change the squad, as you mentioned, it could happen. It happened to PSG and it could happen to some of Chelsea players. They are taking care of the academy yeah, because they're spending a lot of money on young players, also an extending contract. So I'm sure that Chelsea will try to keep all their talents. Uh, for Colville, from what I understand, they have a project for him, so they will speak to the player and to the agent at the end of the season to show the project and try to keep the player in the Chelsea world. But at the same time, it's always complicated to have so many players into the squad so it will be a big summer for Chelsea to clean a bit of the squad to send some players alone to sell some players and then it will be more clear for for many of them golf clap golf clap everybody for Fabrizio Romano every single week you bring it JJ great question Michael LaHood as well awesome stuff thanks Thank everybody out there for jumping in the comments go follow Fabrizio wherever you can on his social media platforms also available on YouTube if you're looking for some content Fab always dropping yes. the best content and the latest transfer news Fabrizio we appreciate you man enjoy this international break if you have one mm. thank you thank you thanks a lot and see you soon guys alright All right, we're going to take a quick break more to come from the boys when we return House of Champions we'll be right back well, just a reminder, the NWSL is back and Paramount Plus is your home for another thrilling season of elite women's soccer. This league is packed with a world-class talent, of course, featuring the biggest stars from around the globe, including the U.S. women's national team as they compete for the glory of an NWSL club title. Iconic legends like Alex Morgan and Megan Rapinoe are still on top of their game while show-stopping breakout stars Mallory Swanson and Rose Lavelle and defending MVP Sophia Smith usher in the next great generation catch them all in action as the nwsl season kicks off on march 25th streaming live on paramount plus sign up at paramountsplus.com slash live sports and use promo code nwsl 
2023 for our free one month trial today also happening on march 25th the joy boys making a return on the pitch <laughs> in hamburg germany God, you boys i'm ready for it someone's getting it right i've been training for a month just so i can two foot someone within the first five minutes and pick up Don't- that red card don't two foot yourself, mate. Don't two foot yourself because it happens. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I was going to say that Ian's probably the one who's most at risk of hurting himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just pulled a hamstring trying to catch the bugger, but at the same time, it shall be fine. All right, let's get into the discussion, JJ, because I want to hear from you first about Antonio Conte. Then, Mike, really, let's dig deep into it because I thought his comments were really strange. I did find it entertaining and interesting. Um, but what do you think overall? I mean, I am seeing fans out there who are completely pissed off with this. And I'm seeing fans out there clapping and applauding the fact that someone is standing up and saying what a lot of us already think about Tottenham Hotspur. So what's your thoughts, JJ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with the latter. I mean, you know, was there a lot of, um, you know, truth in what, in what Conte said? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's also, uh, you know, he's reached a point where, I mean, I'm not going to say that he necessarily feels fatalistic, um, you know, about his future at the club. Perhaps he's resigned to the fact that whatever happens, you know, whether it's down to his recent ill health, whether it's down to, you know, what's going on with the club, that he won't be in charge uh, of the the team next season. So I think it's perhaps the frustration speaking of a coach who hasn't been able to, uh, you know, succeed when he is used to, you know, succeeding in the in the face of adversity. I mean, you look at what he managed to achieve with Inter Milan, uh, you know, and I think he really fancied that he'd be the guy who was able to to turn Spurs around or Spurs fortunes around in the sort of post-Pochettino era. Yet that hasn't turned out to be the case. And unfortunately for Conte as well, there's been quite a lot of bitter pills to swallow during his time with Spurs, both on and off the pitch. I, I don't think that we can over look that but it certainly feels like there's going to be uh, a lot of change needed at Spurs uh, you know because there's no there's no way to continue like this regardless before that uh, you know uh, Pochettino presser I didn't think he'd be staying as that sorry that Conte presser I didn't think he'd be staying on beyond the end of this season anyway sure this could maybe expedite his exit now uh, but equally I think Spurs problems are much deeper than just Conte coming out and you know just going absolutely wild in that press conference. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, that they have some major, um, you know, issues to resolve now moving forward. You can understand why guys like Harry Kane are, you know, wondering if they're ever going to win any major silverware at the club, because there just doesn't really seem to be the right setup, uh, you know, in order to put them into a position to even be competitive, uh, you know, let alone actually winning some silverware. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with what both of you are saying, especially in terms of the honesty of it, the reaction of it, but the timing of it is what's cataclysmic for Tottenham Hotspurs. It comes off the week of losing in the Champions League, getting knocked out by AC Milan of all teams, a team that Conte will be very familiar with. And then just the stinker of all stinkers going up two goals and then falling flat to get the draw at Southampton. Things are regressing under Conte and this year's Spurs team. Yes, you can be honest. Yes, you can say to the media, but you're also sharpening the blade of the guillotine that was probably coming, but might come even sooner. I think this is a potential sackable offense. It may not happen in the international window, but if results keep churning this direction, I could see Levy sacking him before his tenure is fully done. Yeah, but then what is the risk, though? 
I mean, this is a really interesting discussion to have because then you go down this merry-go-round of what they've done for the last 30 years, the lack of trophies, the lack of desire, the lack of commitment, the lack of passion. This is where I stand with Tottenham Hotspur. They've got one of the best strikers uh, that's ever played in the English game, about to be England's all-time leading goal scorer, I would imagine, this week. And yet you're wasting an opportunity to build a freaking top-class team around him. They have spent money, JJ, but what exactly has gone wrong for Tottenham to be that competitive team? Because with the money they've spent, and certainly with the stadium they have, the structure is there, but maybe what they're waiting for is that right coach, that right mentality to give uh, maybe more money to build the squad around. But Harry Kane's getting older now. Maybe you've missed the boat here a little bit with Harry Kane. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also as well, you know, all this talk about, you know, Spurs potentially going back to Pochettino, you know, maybe going back and revisiting their interest in Fonseca. You know, why are they always looking backwards at what yeah. they had done before or might have been able to do? Why don't they look forward and actually put something into place moving forward? And if it means cashing in on somebody like Harry Kane because he absolutely cannot afford to sit around any longer waiting for them to be competitive, then so be it. Because I think one of Spurs' biggest problems was that Pochettino unexpectedly took them so much closer to success than they ever would have thought possible. Uh, you know, and so many people just, you know, sort of rested on their laurels after that. I mean, you know, look at what's happened to somebody like Deli Ali, you know, where his career is at today, because, you know, he basically thought that he'd arrived under Pochettino in the way that, that he was playing for a time under Spurs. I mean, sure that, you know, you can also argue that some players have just dropped off into a more natural decline, you know, somebody like a, a Son Hung Min, for example, but, it feels like for a long time now, Harry Kane is kind of similar a bit to what's going on at PSG with Mbappe. There's too much sort of single-handedly yeah. having to save the team, uh, you know, with the goals that are scored. And at the end of the day, you know, if these teams are going to be successful, you have to build a functioning squad, not just rely on one or two star talents. Uh, you know, and I think what Spurs, uh, you know, have to do now is work out a way to, you know, maximize what they have. Because like you like you pointed out, Ian, you know, it's an attractive package or it can be an attractive package with the right manager in charge. Uh, you know, there's not many better venues to play in. I mean, OK, we can sort of debate the atmosphere in some of these new venues. But by all accounts from people who've gone there, they've said it's absolutely fantastic, uh, you know having that kind of you know positivity in and around the club is uh you know is important and it is something that can be a selling point in the future what i would say is maybe sort of going on in the back of people's minds uh you know behind the scenes was we heard those rumors a couple of months ago about Levy potentially entertaining bids for a minority stake in the club. Potentially, uh, you know, there is the the opportunity there for somebody to come in, uh, you know, put a bit of money into the club and and maybe, uh, you know, spark this turnaround in uh, in fortunes. But I think there's a lesson to be learned from a number of clubs who have enjoyed success over the last couple of years and then get a bit complacent, especially with what they're doing in terms of their transfer policies. Look at Liverpool. You know, they take their eye off the ball for, for just one summer or, you know, sort of 12 to 18 months. And suddenly, uh, you know, they have these massive gaping holes in the team that need to be filled. And it's going to take a major overhaul for that to, uh, you know, to be remedied. Uh, you know, Spurs are looking at, you know, obviously on a lower scale because they haven't played for the same titles that Liverpool have over the last couple of years. But still, it's a, it's a similar kind of, uh, you know, challenge. And I think it really now requires a long-term commitment to a manager probably a sporting director or a director of football as well with a vision of where they want to take uh, you know, Spurs in the next sort of five years or so. 
I'm glad you brought up the ownership real quickly. And I've got a question for you, Mike, in just a second. But just to touch upon the fact about this minority ownership or actually bringing in um, some money to the football club. Obviously, it is a very attractive package, as you mentioned, with the stadium, with the location where Tottenham Hotspur play. Um, a lot of investors wouldn't mind being in that area. A lot of people who want to be involved in football wouldn't mind being in that area. And I think if you are if you consider how quickly the turnaround has been at Newcastle with the ownership coming in and basically putting in a bit of money, not going crazy, but the right man in charge, the right team behind the scenes, picking the right players, you can actually put a successful product out there on the pitch that can compete. And I think Tottenham are not too far away. They're not too far away from actually being able to compete, but it is going to take the right personnel behind the scenes to actually get it right. So I'm intrigued to follow that. But Mike, just real quickly on the point of Harry Kane, you know, are we getting to this generation? You obviously were a former professional yourself, and mm -hmm. we're getting to this generation now where there is branding with these players. And previously, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there wasn't as much money. There was money, but there wasn't as much money. So people had to be successful. They had to compete for trophies to basically make more money. Now it's not the case. Now you've got millionaires sitting on the bench. Now you've got millionaires not even giving a shit about training. Now you've got people yeah. care about their own brand on social media uh, and necessarily, in my personal opinion, not don't, don't really care much about winning anymore. I don't think Harry Kane's in that category. I want him to be a player who wants to win. But are we seeing now that the desire from players about winning trophies is not necessarily always there? You look at Tottenham, great squad of players, superstar Oof. names brands all all across the board they are successful brands but they're not successful in lifting trophies no and and i think a big issue and the thing that i think conte was right about was look at the players that have been there for a long time davidson sanchez should not be at tottenham hotspurs every time he steps on the field it goes cataclysmic hugo Lloris has not been at his best. I think it might be time to move on from him. You have Eric Dyer who's been there for a long time. They need to get rid Get rid of some players who have gotten too comfortable before they can move forward. You continue to bring in new players at the top and try and say, hey, let's get new names, freshen things up. But if you still have players that have been there, look at Manchester United. Look at how long it took them to get rid. Ting Hod comes in before he can bring in the Antonis. Well, that might be a, a bit of a stretch to say Antonis' name. But before he can bring in some bigger names, he had to get rid. Jesse Lingard, Edison Cavani. Paul Pogba, you have to get rid of that stagnant group that's been there, that's been used to losing big games before you can freshen things up. And he has some players, though, who I'm very high on. Pedro Porro. Why did it take so long for Antonio Conte to start Pedro Porro over Emerson Royale? That's on Antonio Conte. Not maybe, on maybe he didn't bring him in, though. Maybe this is the thing. Maybe this is the problem. Maybe he's not the one who's actually choosing these players to come into the football club. And that could be a very that could be a point, but that has to change. And JJ, I'm glad you brought in the need for a sporting director. There has to be a buffer between the owner and the manager, and there has to be an alignment between the manager and the sporting director. We saw the glimmer of hope that that was heading in with a club like PSG when you had Campos and Galtier when it was going well. Now you need to see that Tottenham Hotspurs. I mean, right. I think as well, that's perhaps a reflection, uh, you know, of the deterioration, uh, you know, between the the joint relationship of Conte and Paratici with the, the club uh, leadership. And to be fair, there's probably a lot of frustration on Conte's part as well. He's been further away from that situation recently because of his health problems. But what's happened with Paratici and his association with Juve is not, it's completely out of his control. Uh, you know, what happened there and sort of the, the collateral damage that comes with being associated with something like that.
Some great uh, comments coming in here. Kyle jumping in and saying real quickly, Tottenham isn't like a Juventus or an Inter. They don't have a winning in their DNA as a club. As often you see as Spurs fans, they say they'd rather see good football than winning football, which is interesting. Vic saying there's no long-term project in football. There are short-term and long-term objectives. Nothing is guaranteed. Poch was long-term and then nothing absolutely happened. Ed jumping in and saying Levy and Co. only care about top four trophy, which is the mentality that seeps down to every area of the club. And then and Amy jumps in and says, but does it really matter? Because the Red Hot Chili Peppers and rugby are playing in their stadium. So business-wise... Oh, she's been spending too much time reading Benji's Twitter feed. Yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he can't wait for an international break-in, oh, by the way. To, to, be, to be honest, though, I, I quite enjoy all of these comments about uh, Juve having winning in their DNA. There's quite a lot in Juve's DNA based over the last couple of decades. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of scandal, JJ, I brought oh. you on. I'm glad you brought up a club that has been involved in scandal of recent years Mike I'm coming to you first on this one here obviously we watched El Clasico yesterday it was a great game I really enjoyed it um, but obviously we know what's happening around football right now with Barcelona um, certainly under a bit of problem with this recent scandal Enrique Negreas the former vice president of Spanish football's referees committee Spanish tax authorities discovering that over 7.3 million euros it's about 7.8 million dollars was paid by Barcelona to Negreas uh, company Denzil Dasniel between 2001 2018 now listen i don't want to put words in your mouth mike i want you to take yeah. this wherever you want to go but corruption comes into play here when it comes to officiating getting payments what's uh, happening here man man they can't barcelona can't help themselves man i was talking with our producer des norris before we came on with the show this was the first time i, I like fc barcelona prior to this season with all the the craziness the levers the financial fair play it's so hard to root for them <laughs> when these things happen. Corruption is the perfect word. I find myself rooting for Madrid, and this is coming off a year where Madrid and Fiorentina Perez tried to start the Super League, and I still found myself rooting for Real Madrid. <laughs> At what end is Barcelona going to go to to try and win a La Liga title, to try and win trophies? Because it's at all costs, apparently, even if it's paying referees. I think as well, something that happens like now – you know, when you know that payments have been made and it gets established, you then start to look back to what period that concerned and you look at some of the results. I mean, obviously, I'm going to pick this one because it concerns PSG, but you have like one of the most historic results mm. in Barcelona's history with Remontada based on a very, very dubious refereeing display. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to take away from the fact that PSG you know, mentally capitulated in that game. But equally, there were some very dodgy calls. And you kind of wonder if it's something that maybe even stretches its arms out beyond the domestic situation and is something that Barca have even tried sort of on a continental scale as well, you know, because when you look at, you know, uh, you know, big clubs like Juve getting slapped on the on the wrist and really punished for, you know, for what they've done, uh, you know, on the Italian scene in recent years, there's no guarantee that this is just limited to what's been going on in Spain either. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting to see, obviously, the stories behind the scenes. I was actually, when I was in Germany, Robert Heutzer, do you remember that story, JJ, with Heutzer, who was the referee? He got sent to jail for two years for taking um, a ton of money from uh, mafia-related incidents. Um, and I was at a game one time when he gave two penalty kicks after the 90th minute in the game. <laughs> and it was, it was, honestly, it was the most bizarre. You left the stadium, you're just like, <laughs> what, what, what the f just happened there like i i, I didn't see a thought there was no and i was just like this is the it most sa like, sounds like the spares fans after that same <laughs> <sequel I did. laughs> 
<laughs> but I feel like we're getting back into, you know, we go back in time. I feel like we're getting back into a real dangerous game here when it comes to payments towards referees. And what, oh. what could potentially happen here? I mean, realistically, Mike, this... This is not good news for La Liga in general right now. As you mentioned, it's hard to watch sometimes when you hear scandal like this. But I don't think that La Liga, in my opinion right now, it's not thriving at this moment in time. And then you see news like this, it's even worse. You see it on the field. You see it in the competition. Look at the amount of Spanish teams. Spain used to dominate Champions League. They used to dominate Europa League. And now the tide is turning. And when you have off the field issues, a club like FC Barcelona, the amount of off the field issues, they are one of the two darlings of La Liga. If you're La Liga, if you're Tebas and you let this go unscathed, if they do not get point deductions, you are failing the rest of your league. You are failing the credibility your league used to have is one of the creams of the crop. And I think the future of La Liga comes in doubt. Did you anything? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I do think uh, you know there have to be sort of you know questions over its integrity, and I'd be curious to see what uh, you know Tebas Tebas has to say in the in the coming weeks and months, um, you know. But it does, I mean, it does also you know kind of eat away at that you know uh, the the credibility. I mean, it's a little bit like you know the sort of doping situation in cycling, where you kind of want to believe in these results that you're seeing on the pitch but you don't necessarily know if you can because of everything that's gone on uh, in the past and all the underhand dealings that have you know kind of led us to to where we are in the in the game uh, in the modern day yeah, you don't need to mention that much to us because we have baseball around here, which has certainly oh, gone through man. its uh, fair shares of scandals over the years. And finally, we've got a clock involved in baseball now, which is going to make it interesting, Mike. So I'm looking forward to that. Not sure if you watch baseball or not, but whatever. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do. I do. <laughs> Big Dodgers fan. <laughs> Are you really a Dodgers fan? Yeah, man. I mean, you support everyone, Mike. It's not even, a, you know what I mean? You got you a know, Dodgers fan there and you got a Yankees hat on. Like, you're like Mr. Everybody. <laughs> hey, you know, I go I go where I'm wanted. No, I, I uh, cool, quick story. I got to throw the first pitch of the Dodgers game when I played for Chivas USA. So that's how I became a Dodgers fan. Chivas USA speaking of scandals right there. <laughs> JJ, uh, international break is upon us. France, I believe they've got mm-hmm. the Netherlands coming up, right? Yeah, uh, actually, some interesting sort of breaking news while we've been on air. You've got, I think, Frankie De Jong uh, is one of the players who's uh, who's been taken out of the squad. He's uh, he needs to rest for uh, about two weeks or so, so he won't be part of uh, you know the international um, break. You've got Steven Bergwin as well, uh, you know, who's out mm. for the Dutch. So big blow for them. Uh, some interesting call-ups as well on the uh, on the French side. You know, I'm really curious now to see what some of these new faces in Didier Deschamps' squad. Uh, you know, can bring. We saw that Saliba had to, to drop out late on. I think Fofana has now as well. But then you've got guys like Todibo coming in, who's had a very good season with uh, with Nice. You know, Kefren Turam as well. I'm very excited to see what he can offer. So, you know, for once, it feels like there's something to kind of get excited about. Well, at least in terms of sort of France. I mean, I know they come off the, the kind of the high or the bittersweet high of, you know, reaching the, the World Cup final and then losing to Argentina. But, oh, and obviously the the massive amount of scandal that's been going on in and around the French Football Federation since then. But, you know, at the end of the day, the World Cup underlined, uh, you know, just how good, uh, you know, how much talent this French squad has. So I think to see them get back on the pitch and to bring in some new faces will be, yeah, will be pretty cool. 
I'm excited for you to get to watch them. And of course, you mentioned the word scandal when involved with the French national team. <laughs> we turn our attention real quickly before we get out of here to the U.S. men's national team. Mike, speaking of scandal. Uh, oof, man, just got the chills reliving the scandal. Now, this all eyes will be on the U.S. men's national team in this part of the world. Why? Because it's the first game Gio Reyna gets back with the group. Christian Pulisic calling the whole thing childish, calling the Reyna family and the whole incident very childish. I would love to be a fly in that locker room wall in the course of this camp. And also want to give shout out to African soccer. I have to give a shout out to African soccer. Sierra Leone, my country of birth, in AFCON qualifiers, the biggest game on the planet against Sao Tome. For those of you who want to know where Sao Tome is, I don't even know where Sao Tome is, but I know it's a big match for Sierra Leone. But no, can't wait for African soccer to be back. Qualifiers galore. The last AFCON was just entertaining. Obviously, Senegal defending their championship. So lots to watch out for. All right, there you have it. Another House of Champions in the book. Big shout out and thank you to Fabrizio Romano for joining us today. Thanks to Michael Hood and Jonathan Johnson. Enjoy the international break. We will be back on Wednesday um, to keep you updated with what's happening around the international front. Um, we'll have a quick show for you then and then I will see you again next week. Uh, boys, real quickly, any predictions? Joy Boys pulling his boots back on. What's more likely to happen? Me scoring a goal or me pulling a hamstring? I'm, I'm going to go for a card. Red card. Fucking <laughs> right, JJ. I'm, Come on! You know <laughs> You know what? I'm uh, I'm going for an assist. No goal, but an assist. Actually, one one thing I wanted to get you on, uh, Ian, quickly before we go. I know I mentioned it in the WhatsApp chat the other day. St. Pauli and their, uh, you know, they have a quite an eclectic mix of a manager at the moment. What's going on there? Because I noticed a lot of people sort of playing up that he's got American roots. Is he somebody that we can expect to hear a lot more of in the coming years? Oh, you absolutely can. He is uh, only 30 years old as well, JJ, and he has actually just been given the job. He was the assistant previously to a good friend of mine, Timo Schultz. Originally, I was a little bit pissed off that he was given the job, um, but actually going on an eight-win streak in 2023 alone, and St. Pauli are back within touching distance of the playoffs. So he has he's actually born in the United States of America. I think grew up in Germany, but born in the United States of America. If I'm not mistaken, he might have been born in Texas, I think. Um, hey. But I'm intrigued to meet him in person when I go over there to have a quick discussion obviously a bit younger than me um but yeah very interesting uh, situation happening at St. Pauli right now as long as he wins I don't give a shit JJ I don't <laughs> care who's in charge just win games man just win games get us away from relegation second division I can live with first division would be awesome but second division's where it's at for me but uh I appreciate you boys thank you as always uh great stuff this uh, past week as well going through UEFA has been obviously very difficult for all of us getting work done putting out content thanks to all of our listeners and viewers out there for jumping in the comments really appreciate all of you please make sure you like and subscribe and share the show as much as you possibly can we do this for you this is your show if you want to see something done differently let us know let producer des know as much as you possibly can this is your show so the comments mean everything and we have so many comments today sorry we didn't get through to all of them big thank you to everybody out there who's listening to house of champions take a minute to leave us that rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform we are available on apple podcast spotify stitcher and anywhere else you listen to your podcast we're also available as video so subscribe to us on youtube i will see you all next week the boys will see you on wednesday everybody have a great few days see you soon